0: Shelby on Facebook, what are some foods that we can eat that will help mellow out our mood? It's super stressful right now.
1: We have discovered that when people get animal products out of their diet, their moods do improve. So what we think is happening is that the vegetables and fruits and beans and whole grains are changing the gut microbiome in a healthier direction. The gut feeds back to the brain.
0: Well, hello there. And welcome to this special edition of the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen or a view or a download. Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. Today's show will be devoted exclusively to you. For the next half hour or so, I will be sitting down with Dr. Neil Barnard to answer your questions about the coronavirus. Now, we understand that many of you are concerned, and we share in that concern, and that is why we are going to do our best to share with you all of the information that is available to us so that we can all fight back against this pandemic and together do our part to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. I want to thank you all for sending in your questions today to Dr. Barnard and I encourage you to please keep them coming. You can tweet them to us, send them to us on Instagram using the hashtag examroompodcast or find us on Facebook and message us there. Links to all of our accounts can be found in the episode notes. So please get your questions in because our goal is to continue getting you answers. And now... Let's start doing that. Continuing here on a special edition of the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Continuing our look at COVID-19, the global pandemic, and new information is coming out each and every day, seemingly multiple times a day. Every time you turn on the radio, turn on the TV, pick up your phones, something new is happening. We're learning more and more about this virus all the time. So we wanted to get the latest information out to you. And to help do that, I'm sitting with Dr. Neil Barnard. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, I understand that just before we came on the air, as we record this right now, uh, there was some breaking news regarding the connection between COVID-19, the severity of the symptoms, and high blood pressure? Uh, It's very
1: surprising. Um, This started in China, uh, where Chinese authorities started noticing that people who did particularly badly – um, with the virus, about 40 percent of them had hypertension. And the question is, well, what's that about? Maybe they're more debilitated. And, and frankly, we all, we've known that people who are older, who have diabetes, who have heart disease, lung disease, and hypertension is bad for all those things, uh, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the hypertension is making them more fragile and beating up on their their heart and making them more likely to succumb. But there's a whole other piece of this, that researchers have speculated that it could be how the virus enters the body. COVID-19 arrives at your body, and the way it enters cells is through something called the angiotensin-converting enzyme 2. This will not be on the test, but (laughs) but there's a little spike on the virus that attaches to the angiotensin-converting enzyme 2. And through that, it can enter the cell. Well, angiotensin-converting enzyme 2 happens to be elevated in people who take certain medications like uh, medications to treat high blood pressure. Um, so you go to the doctor, you got high blood pressure. The, the, the doctor prescribes what's called an ACE inhibitor mm-hmm. or an ARB, ARB. Um, and these are common. Uh, lisinopril, for example, a very common medication that I know many of our listeners are taking for their blood pressure probably. Um, it elevates the number of these a- uh, ACE2 enzymes. And the concern is, does that mean you are throwing out the welcome mat for the virus. Um, Now, other researchers have said, wait, wait, wait. Uh, We don't know that that's the case. And if you've got untreated high blood pressure, that could put you at great risk. But I have to say where I come down is that there are medications that are, there's a lot of medications that we can use for high blood pressure, but we must start with the non-pharmacological treatments and max those out no matter what. Right. Um, And so we've known for a long time that diet, exercise, weight loss, all of these things improve blood pressure. And so we should be starting there. And and just to be real specific about it, um, eating right doesn't do anything. You know, uh, that, this kind of vague notion, yep. that, oh, I'm gonna eat my serving of vegetables here and there. Really, that will not lower your blood pressure. Um, the things that do are uh, vegetables and fruits have potassium. That's a blood pressure lowering um, uh, element. Uh, Dairy products, especially cheese, has a lot of sodium that raises blood pressure. So the potassium lowers it. The cheese sodium increases it. So the more vegetables and fruits you have, the more potassium is in your diet, the lower your blood pressure. Getting away from meat and dairy products will help. Uh, There is a big study, famous study, called the DASH study, Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. Mm -hmm. And it was inspired by the observation that vegetarians had lower blood pressure. Um, and they showed that if you eat more vegetables and cut back on meat, it's good. So the best diet of all, obviously, eliminates the animals and pump, really pumps up the vegetables and fruits. Keep oils low, and that will help.
0: Yeah, I remember the the Dash study when I was still overweight myself. One. Uh, Time, the doctor wanted to put me on the DASH diet. Right. I'm assuming that's the same thing, right?
1: That's, that's exactly what it is. And it's sort of a semi-vegetarian diet. Mm-hmm. It was inspired by the fact that vegetarians did better, and they just morphed it to be sort of not quite vegetarian to try to make it more palatable. But then people discovered that, frankly, a lot of people will go vegetarian or vegan for more power. Right. Um, and it's, it's the best way to, to lower blood pressure. And then over over time, when a person stays with the plant-based diet, as you've talked about many times— that's the best weight control, weight maintenance for m- sure. method. And so that keeps the, the high blood pressure down. Oh, for sure. So you see it in, in two phases. The first phase is your blood pressure is going to drop some right away, even before weight loss, if you switch to a vegan diet because the potassium helps lower your blood pressure. And just going low fat means that the blood itself is less thick, it's less viscous. Mm-hmm. So you don't need so much blood pressure to push it along. But then as the months go by and you're losing weight, your blood pressure will drop for that reason That's too. Great. So my hope is that people will have less need for these medications.
0: Yeah, and and on the show, I mean, I've, I've spoken with so many people who were on the high blood pressure medication for years. Heck, I was on it for years. You'd- don't need it any longer a lot of a lot of them so right
1: and now and i also should say to be fair we do not yet know if the ace inhibitors and the ARBs are causing uh the virus to have an easier time entering the body or a worse course for people who have it we do not know that yet mm -hmm. Um, and health authorities have been i think quite cautious about that but if we are allowing our blood pressure to go up because we're just not using simple um Uh, lifestyle measures, it's the equivalent of hoping the virus will go away and decide you're not going to wash your hands.
0: Right. (laughs) I I, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I I think you should always wash your hands. I'm just saying. Um, Before we get into listener questions, because we do have quite a few in front of us, a lot of people are, you know, rightfully concerned about this and there's a lot of confusion out there. So we're going to do our best to to clear some of that up. I want to let you know that I was able to speak with uh, uh, Dr. Jia Zhu Uh, recently. He's actually our our correspondent, so to speak, over in China. He works with us here in the Physicians Committee, does a tremendous amount of work, phenomenal work over there. Uh, He was uh, in his apartment in Beijing when we spoke, and he said that um, life over there is slowly starting to return to normal. And so this has been roughly a three-month process over there. But I did want to say that um, just in case people were worried that we would never get past this.
1: Yes. Um, First of all, a word of praise for Jia. Um, He has worked for us for many years, and he's gone back and forth to China and has done a brilliant job lecturing at universities and and medical institutions and uh, all over the place. And during his work, uh, the coronavirus uh, erupted, and so he was not able to come back. Um, And so he's been there (laughs) witnessing this firsthand, and he's been our eyes and ears uh, with everything in China. Yep. Um, and he's and, and he's continuing uh, to to do his work there.
0: Oh, absolutely! Um, right before we went on the air, he was uh, he said that he had given a, a virtual lecture to about two thousand people on the effectiveness of a plant based diet for athletes. Yeah. Of all things, in the middle of this outbreak, there he's talking about the athlete connection with the plant based diet. Yeah. He is just a remarkable human being.
1: He is, and and we're so glad to have him at the Physicians Committee.
0: He's doing a fantastic job. Hopefully, we can get him uh, back on the show. I'd love to make him a, a regular correspondent, Let's keep us that. up to date. Uh, Ready for some listener questions? Let's take them. All right. First one comes from uh, Instagram. This is from a user by the name of Three Hundred Sixty Five Days of Vegan. I like that. Uh, what's up with ibuprofen to take or not to take? mixed info out there. I tend to let my body do its natural immune response and let the fever run its course, if at all possible. But when it gets too high, what is too high? I assume okay. he's talking about the fever.
1: All right. Great. Great question. Um, uh, ibuprofen is uh, good for the aches and pains that come from having uh, an infectious illness, uh, and it brings down fever. Um, But just like the angiotensin-converting enzyme to issue that I raised with blood pressure medicines, The same issue has come up for ibuprofen. It looks like when you swallow the ibuprofen, it does cause your body to make more of this enzyme that is what I call the welcome mat to the virus. Does that make you more susceptible to have it, or does that make you uh, have a worse course if you've got it? And the short answer is we do not know the answer to that yet. Mm. Um, However, uh, many people now recommend that if your fever is mild, that you leave it alone that you don't try to lower it. And the reason is that fever is not just there to make you miserable. It's part of your body's defense against viruses. Viruses can only live in a fairly narrow temperature range. And so a long time ago, uh, people evolved, animals evolved, to have a fever as a way of knocking out an infectious agent. So it's uncomfortable for us, and sometimes it can get way out of control, but that increase in body temperature is there as a defense So unless you're miserable, you just and unless it goes too high, just leave it alone. And what is too high is really between you and your doctor.
0: I think this is this next question is one that a lot of people are wondering. This is from Johnny Markey on Instagram. He writes in, "What whole foods are best for boosting my immune system right now?"
1: Uh, Okay, Um, what we believe is the case is that the antioxidant-rich foods are the strongest ones. And so what are the antioxidants? And and, and by the way, the research on this is still going forward. We're kind of on the edge of science. And I think it would be a mistake to say that if you eat A, B, or C, it's going to protect you against the virus. Not true. Mm. Uh, Certainly not true. Um, Whether it will give you an edge is something researchers are speculating on. Hopefully so. But the foods that people are keying in on are antioxidant-rich foods. That means uh, for beta-carotene, that's number one. Uh, That's the orange color in Carrots sweet potatoes. So put those on your shopping list. Lycopene, L-Y-C-O-P-E-N-E. That's the red color in tomatoes, watermelon. Um, Also pink grapefruit. So that's not bad to put on your shopping list. Vitamin E is an antioxidant that actually operates at the cell surface. It parks on the surface of the cell and waits for invaders to come, free radicals to come, and it will knock them out on the cell surface. Vitamin E is in nuts and seeds. Here's the issue. Uh, Nuts and seeds have vitamin E. They're also very fatty it's a fat soluble vitamin so uh, almonds are great walnuts are great sources of vitamin e but they're also great sources of a lot of calories that you don't want so the way i come down is about an ounce a day is a good amount of nuts or seeds Uh, what is an ounce an ounce is the palm of your hand you pour the almonds or walnuts into the palm of your hand if it hasn't yet touched your fingers that's an ounce okay once it hits the fingers it's more
0: no cheating you don't want it to be like a mountain that you've kind of stacked up nicely right Yeah, it's, it's right just just in the palm and the other
1: thing is if you then eat that you will refill your palm um if it's smokehouse almonds people can't resist <laughs> so the tip is, that i have is use them t- t- take take the take the almonds or walnuts whatever it is put it in your hand crumble them up and use them as a topping use them as an ingredient um, on your salad or on your oatmeal or something like that. Don't think of them as a primary snack food. Mm-hmm. And if you, do, if you use them that way, you can use them almost like a medication.
0: That's a really good tip. Uh, here's one that I'm sure that a lot of middle-aged folks are wondering right now. Uh, this comes from Water Run Trails on Instagram. My parents are near 80 years old. When do you think it will be safe for me to visit them?
1: Uh, you know the course of the virus is anyone's guess right now the chinese experience that you described earlier frankly i think that's our best case scenario it started in china call it new year's eve mm-hmm. um the roots of it were in place before that and we're now as we're recording this we're now mid-march so what is that three months um will it be like that here we hope so but we really don't know and between now and then um it's it's a risky uh, issue what this means, though, is that whoever you are visiting, um, you have to use just really very good hygiene um, because that's where it comes from. You, you yourself uh, might be very clean, but you're touching doorknobs and handles on the subway and whatever else, and that's where the virus can be transmitted. You pick it up on the way to their place. And so if you are visiting them, when, when you arrive, go to the sink, mm-hmm. wash your hands. Um,
0: Kid. I'll tell you, my wife uh, very close with her mother, and my mother-in-law. She is in a nursing facility now. She's got Alzheimer's, and they've placed this facility on lockdown. Visitors can't come in. It's essential right. personnel only. Um, she's actually still making that three and a half hour drive. She's just going to sit outside of the window so they can converse and see each other. Oh my goodness sakes. Yeah, it's it's dedication. I mean, it's it's just it's touching. But I know that I, I say that just because I know that Julie is not the only one who's feeling that pinch. Oh, good grief.
1: And you also have to say, psychologically, there, there's something to be said for having your family around you. Yeah. And to be able to to, to, de- to deny people from being able to have their family there is, is a tough thing. But you can see what people are saying. I oh, mean, for w- sure. When you're older, um, your immunity is not so good. And um, the last thing you want is to introduce the virus into a single person mm-hmm. in that facility because it can spread um, – or at least that's what they're concerned about, and, and rightly so. We've already
0: seen that in Washington. I mean, that was that, really what the first reports that we got in the U.S. was that outbreak out in Washington state.
1: That's it. That's what the, what the concern is, and it's a very uh, reasonable concern. All
0: right. Here's a question that is kind of at, at the heart of what it is that we do here. This comes from Paloma Photo Nature on Instagram. I would love to hear more about the connection of the virus and humans, as in the importance of not consuming animal products to prevent disease like this. So
1: many of these viruses are animal viruses that have jumped into humans. And while they may not be pathogenic in animals or not very pathogenic in animals, they may not cause disease. Mm -hmm. In us, they do. Um, And we've seen this with influenza viruses, and as you and I have discussed in the past. Influenza A viruses, influenza A, um, that's the typical flu that goes around every year. That is an animal virus. It's specifically in birds. And uh, what appears to have happened is that a wild bird, a duck, uh, passed the virus to domesticated birds in flocks that are in somebody's backyard or, or in a poultry farm. And then it spreads through the poultry flock, spreads then to the farm workers, then to the local community, and then it goes world, worldwide. Uh, with coronavirus, the, the current COVID-19, um, and there are other coronaviruses too, they're animal viruses. And in this case, uh, the putative uh, well, the problem presumably started with uh, a bat um, somewhere, at, probably at a live market, um, that part of China that's, yeah, they're ubiquitous, um, and they can then spread into other species. So if people did not eat poultry, um, the influenza viruses would never, would likely never have entered humanity. Um, if people did not eat animals at these live markets, um, they would this likely would never have occurred. The importance of this is I, I, the idea is not to just cast blame for how we got here. Here's the issue. This will recur with the influenza A virus. It's Back in 1918, that vi- a certain virus called H1N1 entered, entered humans and killed huge numbers of people. Yeah. But here's the point. Then other viruses, animal-derived viruses, then combine through a process called reassortment with that existing virus, and then that new one can attack people. So we've got a Coronavirus that came from animals into human beings. And let's say we're able to fight off this pandemic. If we don't stop this flood of new viruses coming in, that can then through a process of reassortment, make the Coronavirus virulent again. We're asking for a repeat of this. Um, So we've got to close down the live markets, we've got to move away from having animals raised for food, uh, I mean, it causes every problem. Uh, it causes not only the global warming and everything, but diabetes and heart disease and certain cancers all come from us having made this colossal cultural wrong turn um, in our dietary
0: habits. Uh, John, speaking with him, um, he was saying that he believes that those markets in China will be closed uh, indefinitely now uh, and, and permanently. Um, they think that well, – he thinks that uh, they have learned their lesson. And so knock on wood that that actually turns out to be the case. Uh,
1: I hope that's the case. Um, we should say two things. Uh, one is that there's a lot of uh, effort to keep, to keep them open. Uh, It's been an economic boon for a number of people to to be part of that trade. So there are people who are going to fight this. Um, The other thing that should be said is there are live markets in the United States. Mm. Um, They are used for some religious purposes um, where people have chickens and they're used in certain religious ceremonies. Um, There are people who use them for magical voodoo kinds of things. There are people who just like being able to pick the bird they're going to kill. Um, but if you you can go into New York City, and you'll see live markets there too. Yeah. Um, and all around the country, you'll see them.
0: True story. They're, they
1: are perfectly perfectly legal.
0: True story. Living up there with my dad, from time to time, you'd see news reports about animals escaping from the butchers in New York City, and they'd just be running around the streets up up there, and the people. Uh, it's it's try a huge thing,
1: and there are a lot of groups who fight uh, to keep them yep. there. Uh, but it would certainly be a public health benefit if people would. Switch to beans and broccoli and rice and (laughs) healthy foods instead of eating a chicken. All
0: right, moving on. Next question. This is a good one with all the businesses and schools being shut down. This comes from Julie on Facebook. I'm worried being stuck at home that we might turn to unhealthier foods. What are some healthy snack ideas that you can suggest even for the kids?
1: Um, You know, kids um, have rather limited taste. They're not usually as adventurous as other people. And the, the foods that they do best with are fresh fruit. Now, fruit doesn't last on your shelf terribly long, so you're going to have to go shopping every few days, but uh, even with a, a shutdown, you, you do need to be able to go out and get fruit. So, which fruits in particular? Um, any ones that kids will eat is, are going to be fine. It's good. To, I encourage people to buy an overabundance of these things so that they have them on hand. And if you're feeling a little peckish and you want something to have, if you have an apple or two apples or you have a banana or a pear or an orange or some berries, all of those... Are fine, And what you discover is even if you went a little too far with them, you just don't gain any weight Um, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of water in them, there's a lot of fiber in them, and they're healthy, they're vitamin-rich, and a really good snack. And kids really go for fruit. Uh, One tip. Um, If you go to the store and you get a cantaloupe, you have this huge cantaloupe sitting there uh, on your shelf. Nobody ever eats it, and it'll eventually go bad. When you get it home from the store, cut it up into little cubes and put it in the refrigerator, and then people will open the refrigerator looking to see what's there, and they'll put some of the cantaloupe chunks on their plate, and it will disappear. Mm -hmm. But if you don't cut it up, they won't do it.
0: (laughs) Uh, Shelby on Facebook, what are some moods that we can eat that will help mellow out our mood? It's super stressful right now.
1: Uh, No matter what you eat, it's going to be a stressful time. There's there's no way around it. But um, we have discovered, for reasons that I cannot explain, that when people get animal products out of their diet, their moods do improve. Um, This came from a study that we did with GEICO, the the car insurance company, where we instituted a vegan diet at GEICO to help people to lose weight, and, excuse me, to improve their diabetes, and it did all that. But we also discovered that in the course of making this change, mood improved. Specifically, anxiety diminished Mm -hmm. and depression diminished, as well. And even job absenteeism went down. So what we think is happening is that the vegetables and fruits and beans and whole grains are changing the gut microbiome in a healthier direction. The gut feeds back to the brain. Um, If you're eating meat, hopefully the person who asked the question is not eating meat and dairy, but if they are, um, those foods create or foster the unhealthy bacteria in Mm -hmm. the gut. That feeds back in a negative way to the brain, leading to, uh, we believe, a
0: worse mood. Maria on Facebook, if you get the virus, how long does it take to recover? Uh, healthy, she says she's healthy, eats a plant-based diet, does not have any underlying comorbidities.
1: Uh, let's hope you don't get the, the virus. Um, if you do, it, it, well, first of all, many people can get it without getting symptoms at all. Um, but if you do get the, the virus, the typical time frame is about two weeks. Um, if you have a more complicated course, you're hospitalized,
0: look to three to six weeks, something like that. Uh. <laughs> Dan on Facebook. what <laughs> I love this one. What kind of precautions is Dr. Barnard taking to protect himself from COVID-19? We need him around for years to come.
1: Oh, thank you. I put myself in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch anything. Um, seriously, I, I do the same things that we've, that we've been talking about. I mean, it, it starts with, with good hygiene. Um, and a lot of people have learned this, but I, it's important that they not forget it. Um, you do have to, to wash your hands. and Frankly, I'm one of those guys who I've Since way before this, I always assumed that if a person's in the restroom and they go out and they touch that door handle, it's probably covered with hepatitis and cold viruses and, you know, HIV and everything you could ever imagine is probably on there. So so just imagine that's the case and wash your hands. Do use a paper towel before you go out and and be very careful and, and follow the guidelines that you're hearing about. On top of that. Uh, we've talked about a healthy diet that's rich in vegetables and fruits. Keep the fats low because your white blood cells that need to hunt down viruses cannot work in an oil slick. So um, keep the grease out of your diet. Uh,
0: here's an interesting one. Uh, via Love Greens on Instagram, are pregnant women more at risk? I'm 29, I'm pregnant, and I'm worried.
1: You're not going to like my answer. I think so. Um, and the reason I, I and, and where I'm coming to is is I want you to take precautions. Um, and the, the the reason that I say that is it comes in a, a kind of a funny direction. Researchers have wondered about morning sickness. Now you're you're going to wonder why I'm why I'm circling back with this. Uh, why do women uh, sometimes during pregnancy feel nauseated and throw up? And the theory came out that it's because during pregnancy you're carrying a baby who's only half your DNA. The other half is from your male partner's DNA. Um, in other words, the baby is is from an immune standpoint, partly a foreign body. So if your immune system was very vigilant, it could, in theory, reject the baby. So your body makes hormones, progesterone, uh, that seems to impair your immunity a little bit so you don't reject the baby. So um, as a result of that what we believe has happened is that the body developed morning sickness as an aw- a way to be to have an aversion to meat mm. um, and to other things that could be infected uh, meat is probably by far the thing that, that makes women feel sick uh, when they're pregnant um, and if you think about it meat is a carcass uh, where that is quite often infected with you name it salmonella campylobacter listeria e coli all these things and so an aversion to that or throwing up if you've consumed it is nature's rather crude way of protecting the baby that's a theory but what all this means is yes when you're pregnant this is a time of particular vulnerability and so what it really means is During this time, just using really, really good hygiene for yourself and for people in your family. Um, I don't mean to say that a person should uh, be terribly nervous about this, but it does mean to set up a pretty firm SOP. Right. uh, That um, your food is prepared in a healthy way and that, that you're keeping good hygiene.
0: Let's see if we can knock some of these out uh, rapid fire here. Okay, I don't want to monopolize too much more of your time. Uh, this is an interesting one. This comes from Nadsking Chi on Instagram. If the immune system is strong, will the virus still be able to infect the body, making you a carrier? I'm assuming they mean, can I be infected and not be sick and still pass that on?
1: answer is yes. Um, you, you can get it. You can have no symptoms at all. And I don't care how good your immunity is. You can also get sick.
0: Healthy Miss B on Instagram is a person that had cancer but is now in remission at higher risk. Uh,
1: Not unless you are on immune suppressive drugs. So if you had cancer, you're over it and you're not on anything that's designed to suppress your immunity. Uh, You're in the same category as other people.
0: Natural Health and More writes in, can you get it more than once? Do we know that yet?
1: Uh, we don't know for sure, but the best guess that I'm hearing um, from people who have looked at this is that there should be some natural immunity that comes from having been exposed. Here's the problem. As I mentioned earlier, there are other coronaviruses. This is not the only one. And if you have a reassortment, that means that two viruses join together, mix their, their uh, genetic material, and you've got a whole new virus to which you are no longer uh, immune. That's what we're seeing with the flu. Mm-hmm. So the influenza changes year by year by year because of new flu viruses that come in. And so researchers are trying to make a, a vaccine guessing which one is gonna be the issue. So uh, we presume you're gonna be immune, but not immune to the new virus that comes
0: around the block. Listener writes saying, can you become infected if someone with COVID-19 is near you, but not coughing or sneezing?
1: We hope not, we presume not. Um, However, a new report does show that it can be in the air uh, for as much as if it's in a totally enclosed still space without ventilation, circulation, it could last there theoretically for up to three hours. Mm -hmm. So that means before you walked in the room, they coughed and it could it could linger there for a while.
0: Uh, Should we be wearing masks if we need to go out in public? If so, what kind? Mama Rice writes in with that one.
1: Um, Researchers are basically saying no. Now, uh, they're saying that for two reasons. One is it doesn't really do much good, um, and also because you're fiddling with it a lot, you're probably transferring things from that you touch to your face. Uh, And, of course, the subtext is they're basically saying leave the masks for the doctors. Um, We are having a tremendous uh, shortage now of medical supplies, and masks are at the top of the list.
0: What would mild symptoms feel like? This is from CAR 27. Same thing, um,
1: if you've got the infection, um, people do have a fever, they've got a cough. Um, Some people have nothing at all, but along with it could sometimes come fatigue. And this can be at at quite a low level that resolves rather quickly.
0: Alicia on Instagram, is it possible that if we suppress the virus that it will come back in another wave in a couple of months?
1: Uh, if, If by suppressing it means that you never got exposed, uh, because you're, you're at home, you're doing social, social isolation, then, yeah, you have no immunity. And that's so cool. that's, when they talk about flattening the curve, as grim as it sounds, the whole idea is instead of everybody getting it now, we're going to let some people get it later. Mm-hmm. Um, some have suggested why not just let them get it now and we'll get it over with. Um, the reason for flattening the curve is so that the medical personnel aren't overwhelmed. Right. Uh, but the risk of this is not going to go away.
0: Christiane, my 32-year-old husband has asthma. He uses his rescue inhaler twice a day. Should he be worried?
1: Yes. Um, he should be cautious uh, because he's got a respiratory condition. Um, and, by the way, if he has not yet done this, get the dairy out of your diet. In fact, go to a completely vegan diet. Uh, we have seen so many people have their asthma improve, their need for an inhaler reduce. In some cases, it just goes, goes away. And we presume what's happening is that the dairy proteins irritate the bronchial tree uh, in the lungs and they cause uh, the symptoms of asthma to be worse and such that many people really improve when they get away from that.
0: What about doctors claiming that keto and carnivore diets can prevent the virus? That's from Toby on Instagram. Uh, Good luck with that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, If the virus manages to get into your body, are you certain to become sick or... Can the body kill it off quickly?
1: The body can kill it off quickly. Um, there are plenty of asymptomatic people. Um, and there are some for whom it's, it's quite a mild condition. But I have to say, I think people have been overly optimistic. Up until recently, people were saying, uh, it's only old people who have to worry. Uh, young people don't have to worry. Uh, that's really a mistake. Uh, you can get this at any age.
0: Uh, yeah, matter of fact, um, just before we started recording, the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, announced that there was a five-year-old who had contracted the virus? Not right. too too far from where we are right now.
1: I mean, we are hoping that that with young people, maybe their course will be better right. than an older person. Uh, but it, the precautions have to apply to everybody, and and for and for two reasons. One is to protect that person. The other is, let's face it, a five year old kid is slobbering all over grandma, you know, and everybody else. So, we, we, to put it in, in a, undelicately, uh undelicately, we, we've got to we've got to use good hygiene everywhere.
0: We talked about the in, uh, indoor spread of the virus, but is 6 to 10 feet enough when walking outdoors for an aerosolized, widely spread virus? That from Wendy Anthony.
1: Um, very likely uh, that 6-foot um, radius is fine. Um, th- th- with, with good ventilation, um, th- th- it's almost certain to, to, to not be an issue. Um, what we don't really know is, is what inoculum you need to get the disease. By, by that, I mean, is it one virus that can cause it? Or does it have to be 100 viruses or Mm -hmm. 10,000 viral particles that you inhale? We don't know the answer to that. But when you're outside, it's a very different thing from being in an enclosed space. Uh,
0: Here's a quick one. Octavia Schultz, does COVID-19 ever present without fever or cough?
1: Yes, Uh, absolutely. Um, And that means you're an asymptomatic carrier. You've got to be hygienic, too.
0: Cindy writes in, if we get the virus, how long can we expect to be sick? I'm 56. My sons are 22 and 19. We are all plant-based.
1: Good. Uh, You could still theoretically get it if you're uh, exposed. Um, Two weeks is the the usual course uh, with... Some margin on either end, but if you're sick, it will be longer. It could be up to six weeks. All
0: right, and final one. This is a, a good one for everybody. This comes from Claire. She's up in Canada. She says, "Can you provide legitimate sources that we can be listening to for correct information?" I am Canadian. Our national news is reporting the latest news about updates, but who has the correct information about the virus itself?
1: Uh, great question. Uh, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control here in the U.S., is good. The World Health Organization, very good. Um, their resources are getting better all the time, and everything. I've seen from them is, is uh, accurate and appropriate.
0: All right. Dr. Neil Barnard, I greatly appreciate your time. I assume that as more information comes out, our listeners, our viewers will have more questions and we will do our very best to get these answered. Uh, I know that you're very busy, but if you are able to join us again, I'm sure that we all would very much greatly appreciate that. Well,
1: yes. Uh, thank you. And, and by the way, one of the things that we've been doing here at the Physicians Committee is our medical center, Barnard Medical Center, has gone through a change. Uh, Many, many people want to see a doctor by telemedicine mm. so that instead of having to go into the doctor's office, they can go onto a computer and talk to a doctor. So, the Barnard Medical Center now is temporarily shifting to a 100% telemedicine format. Um, we can only offer it in, in certain states the District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, Missouri, and New York. Oh, wow. Uh, for now. But um, we're very excited about that capability. Uh because there are so many people who they don't want to go into the doctor's office, they don't want to get into a taxi to go there, but they can see us.
0: That's that's fantastic. So I I'm assuming that means that the voices that you've heard on the show, Doctor Vanita Rahman, Doctor Jasmine Sardana, uh Doctor Jim Loomis, yeah. if you're living in New York, if you're living in Missouri, you're not in the Washington D C area. You can consult with them via telemed?
1: Yes, um, our nurse practitioner Christine, our registered dietitians, um, all are available through telemedicine. And if you go to the the website, the Barnard Medical Center mm-hmm. website, uh, you'll see it. Yep. Uh you'll see how to how to get connected.
0: That's BarnardMedical.org, and we'll also include a link to that at the uh, in the episode notes below. So, uh, Dr. Barnard, thank you very much for taking time out to uh, to clear some stuff up and and help squash some concerns and. You know, wash your hands and stay safe, my friend. It's important material. Thank you, Chuck. We are not going anywhere. We will continue to be here for you. And if you would like to send in a question for the doctor, we will be doing another show just like this in the future. So please go ahead and send in that question right now. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. Be sure to send that question using the hashtag exam room podcast. And you can also find me on Facebook and send me a message there. The Physicians Committee is at PCRM on Twitter and at Physicians Committee on Instagram. And to make it easy on you, we have posted links to all of those accounts in the episode notes. Now, coming up this week, I hope to have an interview with Dr. Hana Kaliova regarding her team's research on the effects of a plant-based diet on asthma. Now, these are important findings given the elevated risk posed by the coronavirus to people who have respiratory issues. And Dr. Barnard may actually be joining us for that segment as well. Also coming up, an interview with diabetes expert Dr. Cyrus Kambada on what diabetics can do to improve their immune system during this pandemic. And we should also be hearing from Dr. John Pippen regarding clinical trials that are underway for a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, what's interesting here is the fact that researchers skipped right over the animal testing phase and began testing on humans straight away. So, what could this mean for the future development of drugs and vaccines and animal testing? We'll all find out together. And now, many of us are wondering, what can I do to help? What can I do while I'm stuck at home and practicing social isolation? Well, one of the easiest things that you can do is subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever shows are available, and also leave a five-star rating because believe it or not, those two simple things that don't take more than a couple of seconds help us get this information out to as many people as possible. Here's how it works. The more subscriptions and the more five-star ratings we receive, the easier it becomes for people to find us. Simple rankings. So please subscribe and leave that five-star rating so we can spread this information far and wide. And please also share this show with a friend or a family member. You know, Dr. Barnard had a lot of good information today. Answers to questions I'm sure are on a lot of minds, maybe even the minds of your loved ones. So please go ahead and share the show with them as well. And that's going to wrap things up for us today. But please keep those questions coming in. My thanks again to Dr. Barnard for joining us and lending his time and expertise. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe and keep it plant-based.